This program was paid for by the friends and partners of Bruce Downs Catholic Ministries. If I was to ask you what being a Christian is, if I was to ask you what being a Christian is, many people aren't sure how to answer, to be honest. Some people are, well, you believe in well, God. But what really is a Christian about? In, in the book of Colossians, it says in chapter 1, verse 10, it says this, it is so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the accurate knowledge of God again. Uh, it is to walk in the manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the accurate knowledge of God. So if someone said to us, what's a Christian being? We could say that it is, we could look at that, but and there's four things there. It is one, it is to be worthy of the Lord. And who is God? God is perfect in every way. He is beyond description in every way. To be fully pleasing to God, that God would look at you and go, I'm pleased with you. I'm pleased with you. I'm pleased with you. I'm pleased with you. I'm pleased with you for who you are, where you are. Where you are. As you, if you've ever listened to me in the daily devotionals, you'll know my father would often say, well, the priests are holy. The priests are pleasing to God. But me, who's an engineer, me, who's raising my five sons, me, who goes to church all the time, I'm not at the same level because they're holy. And clearly what I'm doing is not at the same level. And that's just simply not what the church teaches us at all. It is to bear fruit in every good work. If you want to see how good a person is and what they're doing in their life, you look at who they are, the fruit of who they are, what they produce, how they live their life, the things that, they are, that, that come forth from them. And then finally, it's to increase in the accurate knowledge of God. And what's that mean? To increase in the accurate knowledge of God means that we grow in our understanding of God every day of our life. It is not to. It is to consistently know more. And and if you again, if you listen to the daily devotionals, and what you know is that growing in the knowledge of God is. I knew so much when I was thirteen. I knew more about God when I was eighteen. When I was thirteen, I was trying to be a good boy. When I was eighteen, I tried to be a better boy. And then I get to be twenty-three, and to, and then to thirty, and I'm trying hard. And then all of a sudden, I get to forty, and I realise I can't be a good Christian. I realise that there's sin in me and there's frailty in me, there's weakness in me that I can't overcome. And I remember being about 40 and the thought occurring to me that there are things that are wrong in me that I do over and over and over that I even stand up the front on television screens and tell people not to do, and I do. That I'm a sinner. I get it wrong. That I can't live up to the things that I say that I'm going to do. Any of you ever heard of uh, lose weight, get fit with a Catholic guy? It was this fitness plan. I one day went out stupidly on television and I said, I'm going to lose weight this year. Who wants to lose weight with me? 700 people signed up that day. Today I weigh more than I did when I said it on that day. Yeah. Yeah, I am not as good. I didn't do, you know, I haven't been able to live up to it. Now, if you look at these four things, if you put them back on the screen, the first one, the second one, and the fourth one are, are all about God. The third one 
is about us needing to know God. It's about us needing to, to, to bear fruit in every, every good wo- uh, way. Um, it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, uh, it says this, For we are what he has made us. For we are what he has made us. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our very way of life. God has prepared, look at the last line, God has prepared the good works that you are to do. They were made before you were, they were determined before you were alive. You were placed here with with it already before you. The whole point of our human existence is about God. The whole thing is about God. Um, So if I ask people what God is like, um, many people say, well, I'm not sure. But if you're not sure what God is like, how do you how do you do how do you pray to something that you're not sure what it's like? How do, how do you have relationship with someone, you know, if you don't if you don't know what they're like? How do you relate how do you relate to God? Well, the way we relate to God, we, of course, is prayer, isn't it? We we talk that we talk about our relationship with God as being prayer, and and prayer is talking to God, it's listening to God. But the listening that we do. We don't hear audible voices. The listening that we do is the development of our spiritual life and our spiritual antenna and our spiritual depth to where we can listen to God and we begin to hear with a different set of ears and a different set of eyes. Um, and God guides us through our conscience and our conscience is, our conscience, how do we form our conscience? It is, it is through reading, it's through scriptures. It is through the teaching of the church. It's through the leadership of the church. It's through having listened to all those things, our conscience, what am I meant to do? And so what you do and what you do about the same thing might be different because God speaks a different word to both of you. Oh, when I was growing up, I was just, I remember going to Father and saying, Father, could you tell me what's the answer? And if I didn't do what he did, I suffered from Catholic guilt. Anybody ever heard of that? Or my Protestant friends call it Christian guilt. It exists there as much as it does in the Catholic world. If I don't follow the rules, by what they said. But yet, life is not as easy as black and white, is it? That there are so many things that, that are different. We get, we, get, we get follow God by the presence of God in our life. That sense of him there. Do you feel him right now? Just like, do you feel the presence of God right now? like the presence of God surrounding us. Lord, I'm here. And so it's hard to pray if you don't know God. When I first met Rosemary, I was in a youth group. I was attending a youth group. And I remember I saw this girl in the distance. There's about 150 of us there. Everybody was uni students or they were young workers. And I remember seeing Rosemary in the distance and I went up to someone and I said to them, who's that? And they said, oh, that's Rosemary Nolan. And that's Rosemary Nolan. Well, I worked my way over to get into her orbit. And when I, and, and when I got there, the thing, you know, what I noticed about her immediately is that she was shy. Like she was shy, she just didn't talk. And I liked that. I liked that. That was a challenge. She, Rosemary is an identical twin sister. So I, which you, you could tell them apart, but you always used to play this thing. I don't know which one you are, but I always knew, you know. Um, and, 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 and what I noticed about her very quickly is that she was smart. She, you know, and she had opinions on things and she was, she was intelligent. Um, 
And I also noticed she liked me. I mean, I understood that. But, you know, I noticed that she liked me. Um, but I didn't really know her, did I? What I needed to do is whilst I looked at her and I thought, you're cute, uh, you know, and we had some conversation, we kind of got on, but I didn't still know her. I had to go and fill in the backstory. What was a family? Where would she come from? What was a family like? Who were her mum and dad? How did, where'd she been? What were her brothers and sisters like? Where she lived? What had she done with her life? What interested her? What various events in her life had shaped her? And the more I understood her, the more I knew her. The more I understood her. And, so, and the more I spent time with her, the more I experienced her. And so therefore, getting to know her and to love her was what relationship's about. But if all of our understanding of God is just a book understanding of God, how do we love God? And yet the problem is, is that the example falls short because how do you describe God who is infinity? How do you describe perfection? How do you describe a being that is so other beyond us that in order for us to understand, we grab God and we shake him down into something that looks like a human person because that's all we can conceive with our finite minds and yet God is so other and beyond even what we can conceive. We can conceive. See, I know who President Trump is, but I don't know him. You know, I know of him. I don't know him, you know. Um, and there are many people who know about God, but they don't know God. When that priest prayed for me that day, I knew something was so different in my life. There was this sense of the presence of God surrounding me that was there. Um, there was a, So what's God like? Here's some thoughts about who God is. God was never made by anybody. We all know that. God was never made by anyone. He's always existed. Uh, God will never end or never die. God simply is, which is mind-blowing for us because nothing simply is. Nothing. Um, God is what we might call complete in himself. You, you, nothing can be added to God. You can't add anything to God. It says in the book of Jeremiah, there is none like you, O Lord, you are great. Your name is great in might. Who would not fear you, O King of the nations? For what is your due? Among all the wise ones of the nations and all their kingdom, there is no one like you. God is so other. Before time existed, God was. That's just mind-blowing, isn't it? It says in Book of Genesis, chapter 1, first 1, the first verse of the Bible, in the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth, in other words, God was already there. God was already there. But yet most of the time when I think about God, I just got God to be a more perfect human being. You know what I mean? And I pray to this more perfect human being, but God is so beyond that. Um, God existed before heaven did. Isn't that Interesting. The scripture says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Before heaven existed, God existed. Um, God existed before the universe did. God existed before the earth did. God is so beyond. God existed before angels did. God existed before anything did. God has always been. Before anything else, God was contained in need of no one. 
in need of no one. Tom Cruise in one movie said when he looked at some girl, he said, you complete me. God is completed by no one. So God is, uh, before anything else, God was self-sufficient, dependent purely upon himself, being dependent on no one else. Uh, before anything else existed, God didn't need anyone. God, God did not need to create anything. He didn't need anything. He didn't need any spiritual beings in his world, angels. He didn't need people. He needed nothing because he was complete and total and absolute in and of himself. So why did God create us? He created us out of his goodness. He created us out of his fruitfulness. Um, in Ephesians 1.5, it says this, he, he de destined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ, according to his good pleasure of his will, according to his good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. So the aim of the Christian life, the aim of why you and I are Christians, the aim of it, if you have an exam, let me give you the answer. It is to be worthy of God. Worthy of his perfection, of which we all fall short of the glory of God, Scripture says. So it's Jesus that is going to make us worthy. We can't do it ourselves. I might have failed at lose weight, get fit, and I'll come back. But we've all failed and fallen short. If, if, if the aim of the Christian life is to be fully pleasing to God, the Scripture says in Colossians, is that God would look at your life and he would not see perfection he would see you and he would see your heart and your desire. He would see your heart and he would see your desire and he would be, you, he, you would be drawn into him. It's what the saints talk about, that God sees the heart. He doesn't see the hands and the mistakes. He sees the heart. I can't on my best day be good. I need God. I need God. And then, and why it says that, that we would bear fruit in every area of our life, fruit that's good. So you look at people who are musicians, you look at people who are in politics, you look at people who are in industry, you look at people who are mums and dads, you look at people who are school teachers and plumbers and people who are into shopkeepers. God created people that in all those places, they would love him, they would search for him, they would find him and that they would know him and that they would be fruitful in all those places. When I was travelling and doing a lot of events, one of the things I used to say all the time in churches when I went to churches, I was told, I used to think that to be holy, I had to go down to the local church. I had to be like the priest in a way. But the truth is, God hadn't called me to that. God called me to be out in the world, to be at home. And later on today, for most of us, you can be no holier than you will be later on today when you're with your husband and with your wife, with you, with your children. You can be no holier than when you go to work on Monday morning. You can be no holier than if you're retired in the place where you're living and, you, and you're experiencing the presence of God there. The church tells us that. I can show it to you in the documents of the church. Just someone forgot to tell me. And so I thought that holiness was racing down to the local suburban church all the time 
And it's not that there's not, not, not that you don't do that, not that you don't go to church, not that you don't go there to be filled by what it is. But we go out into the world to be who God calls us to be. Um, and, then, and, then, and then our whole life is to increase in our knowledge of God. In our, and what does it say? To increase in our accurate knowledge of God, the Scripture says. Because there's a lot of stuff that falls short. I just didn't have an accurate understanding. I thought I, wouldn't, I didn't measure up. So why did God create us? Well, in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, the, that summary document of what church believes, it says this, God infinitely perfect and blessed in himself in a plan of sheer goodness freely created humankind to make them share in his own blessed life. For this reason, at every time and in every place, God draws close to people. He calls them to seek him, to know him, to love him. And with all their strengths, he calls together all men and women scattered and divided by sin into the unity of his family, the church. To accomplish this, when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son as redeemer and saviour and his son and through him. And he invites every uh, invites men and women to become in the Holy Spirit his adopted children and thus heirs of his blessed life. I think every human being should print that out and put it in their home because it tells us why God made us. It tells us what God's plan is. Look at it again. God infinitely imperfect and blessed in himself in a plan of sheer goodness, freely created human humankind to make them share in his blessed life. The reason we were made was to share in the life of God. And that's not in heaven. That's now. The stories, as the stories that I tell of what God has done in my life and in other lives is normal. It's not abnormal. God working in our lives and, and being led by God and God doing things is the way that Christians are meant to live. It's what we read in the Scriptures. It's what we read through history. And how do we get there? If we go on and it says this, God infinitely perfect and blessed in himself in a plan of sheer goodness, Sheer goodness. I, I studied what it meant by sheer goodness at one point in time because he just wanted to. There's no other reason, just because he's God and he's good and he wanted to. Rosemary has this problem with grandchildren that when it comes to their birthday, she loves to buy them presents. Rosemary's had Christmas shopping done since about, well, January. And when the grandchildren come over, I've, she and I have had to have words because she just wants to spoil them, because she wants to spoil them, because she loves them. And just out of the straight goodness of her heart, she wants to give them stuff. When she and I go travelling, she stops and we, we inevitably stop and shop. She goes, oh, listen, I could buy this for, you know, for Abigail. Abigail's two. And then we go somewhere, I could get this for Emmett. He'd love this, you know. This would be good for Emmett. She's just got this thing about, about spoiling them. And you know when you give presents to kids, you ever had that experience when you give presents to kids? You know, and, and I remember our grandchildren come over on Christmas morning and you can hear the door, the front door uh, open, they all run straight past you and straight to the Christmas tree and sit down and they're ready. <laughs> and their parents always make them come back and say, Happy Christmas. They don't want to say Happy Christmas, they just want presents. And then you give them one present and they open it and then they look at it 
And they put it inside and they go, another one. <laughs> and then, you know, then they open it and they go, another one. And not once really do they ever stop and go, and I've got something for you. No. And you don't care, but as a parent, do you? You, don't just, you just don't care. Because out of the goodness of your heart, you, you are filled with love for them and you want to bless them, you want to love them. And you don't care that they aren't thinking of you and then eventually they get given a present from their parents to give to you and they go, oh, this is for you. And they're excited about three seconds and then they go back to, have you got another one for me? And you just love it because you're a parent. You don't care. And sheer goodness is because you're just, God is just good. It's just because he wanted to. So God infinitely perfect and blessed himself in a plan of sheer goodness, freely created humankind to make them share in his own blessed life. For this reason, look at this, for this reason at every time, in every place, for this reason at every time, in every place, God draws close to people. Did it ever dawn on you that you came here today and you're listening today because God's wanting to draw close to you? Because God's trying to draw close to you. And what does he do? He calls them to do three things, to seek him. We're called to seek him. You've got to look. He just doesn't front up and go, ta-da. You've got to seek him. You've got to seek him. You ever lost anything? You turn the house upside down. Rosemary and I were going travelling overseas and I lost my passport. I seriously turned the house upside down and couldn't find it at all. Still haven't. What I did discover in the news that my particular serial number, it said that a whole number of them had been stolen and they had become Israeli spies, Mossad spies. So I just want you to know there's a Bruce Downs out there some way who is an Israeli spy. Seriously, I didn't know I was that good. But anyway, and that's actually a true story. That's not even made up. And uh, so, so to seek is, is to, to seek means you have to have that level of desperation. To seek means you've got to look. To seek means I can't just turn up to church on Sunday. To seek means I really want. To seek means to go after. To seek means to have that sense, a little bit of desperation. He calls people to seek him, to know him, to know him. Love only makes sense when we know, to know him. And it's a lifelong journey. It's not a moment of knowing him, to love him, to love him. When I first met Rosemary, I didn't love her. No, no, I just looked across the room and went, gee, she's hot. You know, I'll try and get to know her. She was 21, you know. And, uh, but I grew to love her as I got to know her, as I sought her out. And she'll tell a story about how, and, and when she was studying at university, she's a pharmacist. I went to see her every day at the university at, at, uh, in, in where she was studying. She's still to this day unsure how she passed because I distracted her that much, apparently. <laughs> you know? But I went after her. Can I ask you this question? Have you ever gone after God as you went after your husband or your boyfriend or your wife? Because that's what we're called to, that sense of I'm going after. And want to know something? You can be 80 years old and it's not too late to start the going after. 
Yeah. And so, so we call, he calls us to seek him, to know him, to love him. Have a look at this. It, you know, it, I've highlighted this on the screen. With all their strength. With all their strength. With all their strength. He calls them to seek him, to know him, to love him. With all their strength. Now, if you go and study that phrase in the Bible, with all their strength, to go after God, to seek after with all their strength, it, 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 you go look to the original language, it says, to go after God with everything that is you. To go after God with all your strength means to go after God with everything that is you. To everything that is you. Um, see, see if, if we are to grow in our relationship with God, there's things that we have to do. Now, what does it mean to share in his blessed life? What does it mean to share in his blessed life? And, and we can, again, we bring it from the scriptures and for there. Now, the, the first thing is he calls together all men and women, scattered and divided by sin, into the unity of his family, the church. What he does is he gathers people. And you look at what we're doing here today. We're having church. What is church? Church is where people gather. There are many different forms of church. The word is used multiple different ways. You bring people over to your home, you share a meal, you, talk, you share faith, you're having church. You, have, you go down to the local church in Eucharist, you're having church. We're gathering here, you're having church. Church is used in multiplicity of ways. He calls men and women scattered and divided by sin into the unity of his family, the church. We're not called to be Christians alone. To be honest with you, the thing that I've learned is I can't be Christian alone, I just can't do it. I need the strength of the body and the prayer of the body. And if, and if it wasn't for Christians in the communities that I've been in through the years, I wouldn't be here today. It's impossible to do it by yourself. And, and, and what doesn't qualify as, as church is walking in, nodding at a few people on the way in, and then at certain times going, hi, and then walking out. That's not community. That's not church. That's turning up to fulfil an obligation. Church is the sharing of our life. Church is, being, is knowing and being known. Church is loving and being loved. Church is celebrating and being celebrated. It's about our lives and entering in. The second thing about sharing in the blessed life of God is to, is, is to accomplish this. When the fullness of time uh, had come, God sent his son as redeemer and saviour. It is to know Jesus. It is, to, it is to know that he's come into our life where we are. And then finally, in his son and through him, he invites all men and women to become uh, in the Holy Spirit his adopted children and thus heirs of his blessed life. So, so, so we inherit what God has got for us. And so therefore, it shouldn't surprise us when God does extraordinary things in our life. We should all go, well, that's normal, isn't it? But if you don't look for it, and if you're not open for it, almost guaranteed it won't occur. To live miraculously, you have to put yourself in the place of the miracles. When Moses led people out of Egypt, having been captured for over 430 years, God promised to take them to a promised land. But this was a promised land that didn't come easy. They had to fight for their promised land through all of the things that were against them. And in the same way for many of us, when we want better in our life, we have to often fight for that better, whether it be in our marriage, whether it be in our study, our relationships, whether it be in our dreams. Well, I've written a message recently called Fighting 
for your promised land, living the life that God wants you to live. And it's an e-book that I've written, meaning you get it immediately uh, from us. And I want to be able to send that to you and uh, for a gift of any amount to the ministry, uh, above the cost of producing it and sending it to you, we would love to be able to give this to you so that it blesses you, so that you will achieve your promised land in your life because it's what I've had to do in my life and I pray that it will deeply bless you. Hey, thank you for being with us. I look forward to seeing you next time. And don't forget, wherever you are, God is never far from you. This program was paid for by the friends and partners of Bruce Downs Catholic Ministries.